Wow, it's been so long. I know. All right, I'll let you take the lead. Are we gonna sing? I don't know what to sing. Okay, Funk is not on this episode. That opening is just crazy because I do not have the music on my computer. But I've had this episode sitting in limbo for almost a year. And I think everyone needs to hear it. Um, And yeah, this is an episode we recorded way back in February with director Avalon Fast about her movie that you might have heard about, Honeycomb. So good. And another movie... Not by Avalon, but that is still very good, called Tarnation. Um, bit of a content warning uh, for our discussion about Tarnation. We talk about a lot of upsetting things. That discussion uh, starts around 27 minutes in, maybe half an hour in. So just be aware. But this episode's been a long time in the making. Apologies for it taking so long. And I hope you enjoy. All right, maybe we can get away with not singing. This one time. Hello again. Hello. Listeners. Fantas. Oh yeah, hello Fantas. <laughs> um, welcome back to the uh the second episode of the second volume of Is It Whack, I guess. Um, part of a special little pairing of uh two interview slash pods that we're doing with some of our um favorite filmmakers. And today we have um, the, see, I was going to say incredible, but then it makes you sound like a magician. Um, I you had an intro all written out. I don't have an intro written out. I just have one in my mind. Kind <laughs> of. I had like points that I had to hit. But uh, the pro bowler Avalon Fast, who also <laughs> happens to make films. Um, and made this really good, fun film called Honeycomb, which was at this really good, fun festival called Slam Dance, And it's going to be at some more really good, fun festivals soon, I've been hearing. But we thought we'd get Avalon on to talk a little bit about Honeycomb, and then to talk a little bit about another film um, called Tarnation that Avalon didn't make, but <laughs> recommended that we all watch and talk about. So yeah, welcome. Thank and I'm you. Nara. <laughs> Welcome, Avalon. I'm Seb. Um, so I think we're going to start with an interview, a little Q&A about uh, Honeycomb. Cool. And then we're going to talk about the movie you brought on for us to watch, um, Tarnation. Um, Nara, you want to get us started with some questions about Honeycomb? Also, Avalon, welcome. And how are you? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> I'm doing pretty good today. Thank you very much. That's great. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, of course. Maybe just to start to frame Honeycomb for all the people who didn't see it yet. Mm -hmm. um, what do you want to like summarize it in like one sentence? What it's about? <laughs> a synopsis, perhaps? <laughs> okay, in one sentence? Yeah, I can make it harder if you want. I can be like yeah. summarize it in like five words. <laughs> um, okay, Honeycomb as a about a group of young women who uh, decide to start a cult in an abandoned cabin in the middle of the woods. That's great. I think that is exactly it. Um, <laughs> Horror ensues 
and yeah. tension <laughs> and character. Yes, things happen. <laughs> um, maybe we'll start off just with the first question on this sheet. That seems like a good place to start. <laughs> yeah. So honeycomb, and then another short that you had. They're both sort of like horror films, thrillers that are very much grounded through like female characters and like female stories, I guess, at the center of it. Um, what makes you want to like explore female stories through horror or vice versa, look at horror through sort of like the female lens? Um, I think, you know, I was thinking about this question and I was trying to get deep about it. And then I realized that, you know, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a female. So I think that's been the only lens I've seen horror through, you know, that is like the general consensus there to why I started doing that. And then also I was thinking about how when I started making films in high school, I only really had girlfriends and I didn't feel comfortable enough asking the guys to be in the movie. <laughs> <So laughs> I'm gonna just round up the girls and whatever guys kind of on the sidelines feel like being involved at some point they can be. But yeah, it always started with my girlfriends, you know, like, do you guys wanna do this? And they'd be like, yeah. And then that's, you know, how it started also. Yeah, any, you know, character inspiration I had was always through either like myself or my best friends, which happen to be females. So I think that's how that started. That <laughs> was always, an... uh... oh, sorry. No, I was going to say, I think that's kind of like the best reason. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's very, I don't know, it's like wholesome kind of, but it's yeah. also just like <laughs> exciting to like be like, I'm making this because my friends are also excited about it and we can all do it together. I just like doing things with my friends, I think. It's same, yeah, same. <laughs> I feel like in high school is a lot of like, okay, so all the movies we can make are about teenagers or else we have to like rope in someone's dad to play yeah. like a businessman. <laughs> Nobody wants to do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my yeah. God, Seb, do you want to pick the next question? Yeah, I had a question. Um, I watched to the very end because I'm very thorough, you know, yeah. in, in my analysis. And I noticed very hidden at the very end, there was one line that was highlighted. Um, someone saying, damn, it's so soft. And then I was like, was that in the actual movie? And I went back and it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And I want to know why it was cut. I'm so glad somebody has brought this up. Nobody's brought it up yet. Um, <laughs> that line was definitely supposed to be in the film. That um, That's my friend Derek, and he's a great actor. And again, one of the boys that I could rope into being in this film, you know? So I was like, you know what, for this scene, like you're gonna be the, you know, quiet stoner guy in the corner, which he is. And I thought he could kind of pull that off well. So I was like, all you gotta say is, damn, dude, so soft. And he came in with this like energy that I have never seen <laughs> come out of Derek before. And we just kept having, we'd cut and be like, no, Derek, like, you know, no enthusiasm. Like this has got to be like super right. relaxed. Like it's not supposed to be funny. Like it's just supposed to be you being a stoner. And he'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, I got it. <laughs> he'd take it and he'd just come in with this super strange energy um he was really really messed up that night and I I thought it would play off well and it it did for us but when it came time to actually cutting that into the movie I was like no way but 
a method actor, sort yes. of a, a Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> My favorite Ooh. part in that is when he goes, "Damn." Wait, what's the rest of my lines? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when you said the quiet stoner, mm -hmm. I was like, that's not the impression I really got no. in those takes at no. all. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nara, do you have another question? Yeah. Um, I maybe just because it's something you told me the other day this is not on the question sheet um <laughs> but i just want to say i really love that you included bloopers at the end of your film because yeah. my personal favorite thing that films do is when they have like the credits rolling and then there's a little tiny screen with yeah. the blooper reel going <laughs> into it um so what was your thought process behind bloopers or what are your opinions on bloopers? Have people been reacting well to the bloopers? Just give me all the info on the bloopers. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was always, you know, I remember even when we were actually shooting um, and in the middle of, you know, compiling all the footage we already had, um, my friend Destiny and I, who played leader, we would go through and just find the bloopers just because it was so fun for us. You know, we were like, we'll deal with the real shit later, but let's just find the bloopers so we made this whole folder that it was just so fun to look through because obviously we got some pretty good stuff um and so you know all my friends were like you have to make a blooper reel and I was like eh, you know I don't know like I don't know if that's going to be the mood for this film I don't know if I want people to end up laughing at the end or not um but then yeah as I was telling you the other day when we went to my first thought with this film was that I wanted to submit it to Fantastic Fest because that was one of the only festivals that I'd heard of and kind of like the genre realm that I thought it might fit into mm -hmm. and our film was 60 minutes and <laughs> like a week before we had to submit it to Fantastic Fest I found out that you had to um your film had to be 70 minutes to submit there so we were like oh okay <laughs> well we're just gonna make we're just gonna make it 70 minutes so we <laughs> <laughs> so that's when the blooper reel got um put in for sure and I I started making like this compilation of like everything and then realized that the funniest ones were just that scene of Derek with the, yeah. <laughs> so I just thought instead I'm just gonna put every single take from that shot. So that's just what that is. It's every single take from his. Is that, that's not a full 10 minutes, is it? No, no, we also um, added in a lot of the um, stop motion scenes. So any of the letters. Uh. Um, and we also added the scene where it's really dark and uh, they hear the screaming from outside of the cabin. That scene was taken in my closet. Um, and wow. it's actually, yeah, it's actually me screaming in the other room. Um, and that was so funny. That was such a funny shot because it was just like, um, it was Henry who played PJ. He was recording. He was in, in the closet with uh, Jillian and Sophie. And it, it worked out and I, I don't think it's that noticeable. So there was all these like little, little things that we added in. Those are the ones I can remember. There might be some others as well, but. Yeah, I yeah. never would have been able to tell that wasn't in the cabin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also it was like, maybe thank you Fantastic Fest for the uh, 70 minutes. Cause I, I really liked the stop motion. I don't know, I personally yeah. just like whenever like films mix sort of like mediums or styles. Me so. too, yeah. Yeah, I also think the scene with the screaming is like uh, 
very disturbing and I wouldn't have thought that would be like something that was added in it seems so key to like everything that comes before yeah yeah we definitely thought that as well watching again it also made it fun to be watching the movie you know with these extra parts it made it something different towards the end um so we weren't as bored of it (laughs) but yeah all those the whole stop motion thing was something that I'd wanted to do initially and then had just kind of like decided we'd run out of time or didn't you know have the motivation to do so it was cool that we ended up figuring that out yeah that's pretty epic mm-hmm. <laughs> okay so it's your turn to pick a question i'm gonna look at the questions here and just to be clear for the listeners we wrote the question sheet we didn't just pull a question sheet <laughs> yeah <laughs> it we- sounds like we did <laughs> Um, we actually just have stock questions uh, in a hat that we save for rainy day. Really well. They're weirdly <laughs> Yeah, they are specific. This this yeah. next one though, it says, what do you think the green light represents to the great Gatsby? <laughs> Which is strange. Good one. Yeah, I don't know how to bring that back to the honeycomb, but <laughs> well, what do you think it does? Do you think it's the American dream? Yes, that's what I was gonna say. Okay, great. <laughs> All right, mystery solved. Um, but also, there's a lot of talk of the queen bee in Honeycomb in nature. Yeah. Do you think there's a, a queen bee among the characters in Honeycomb? I know there's a character named Leader, but yeah. I wouldn't say that's the answer for me. Yeah, that was. Um, so there are there's two queen bees um, throughout the film. Um, that was something I really wanted to try to add some confusion you know because there's all this talk of the queen bee you've got the queen bee you know portrait they're like god so it's in your mind the whole time who's the queen bee here and and leader's name was purposeful in that way where you know she fits like a leader role in some way she's the angriest she has a you know big character um in there and then also willow though was the one that brought them there um and is more of like a a true leader in that sense um yeah I wanted everyone to kind of have this focus that maybe you could think oh maybe they're the queen or you know maybe she's the queen and then to only really be like solidified on who the queen was by the end yeah (laughs) yeah that's great yeah I I think it's so interesting the idea of that like kind of emotional leader that that Willow is you know the people or the person that people actually go to you know Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. follow yeah Sorry, I'm just <laughs> highlighting the questions as we go along so I don't know which ones we did. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess it's kind of shifting topics slightly, but um, going back to the aesthetics of Honeycomb, like a lot of people are highlighting sort of like the lo-fi and DIY approach. Yeah. And I think like the DIY-ness is really like, I don't know, I think people are really excited about that one just because it's like cool now to see sort of more like independently like DIY made films, but also because you can tell it's like such a like everyone involved is so passionate about it, I think really adds. But um, sort of like, is that method like important to your process? Is that something that you think like moving on in the future of your film career, you're always going to sort of like hold on to or like do something or do you want like a to do a project that has like a crazy budget and you're like oh my god I have billions of dollars from Disney and now I can do whatever I want (laughs) yeah I think you know it's funny too when people use the word like DIY approach because like I we had no other option (laughs) um 
but yeah, I think that it like is incredibly fitting with what honeycomb is. And I could not imagine that done with, and I'm honestly a little bit nervous, like as like career moves forward as to like what my style will look like when I'm not, I don't, you know, I'm not like bounded by mm-hmm. financial things as much. Um, I, I definitely want to be able to do more, you know, like more like special effects and have, you know, like crazy shit happen. And like, I have these ideas for horror that would cost money, you know? So I look mm-hmm. forward to that. Um, but generally, like, I, I definitely want to keep like the DIY way of filmmaking where I'm working with my friends and, and things are tangible and I understand what's going on and I'm still like, you know, in charge and like, yeah, are, you know, in charge of everything that's going on and understand what's happening and that kind of thing where it's, it's still like indie filmmaking, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that I could continue making films. Like if I could make money and continue just making films the way Honeycomb was made, I'd probably do it. But <laughs> I don't know how well that would work in the future. So yeah, yeah, I like that style and it works for me. Yeah, I guess like horror is also like a very special genre to work in where it's like, it works really well when you're doing it with like no budget, but then it can also work really well when you have a big budget, which is like pretty exciting. Yes. I know I'm, I'm I guess I'm just curious to see what that will look like you know if I can write a story and then see it with a big budget if it'll still be interesting if I'll still be able to see like my style in there because right now my style is so DIY but is that my style or is that you know what I've been able to do I don't know yet yeah that's so that's so interesting because I feel like one of the things I love about Honeycomb is there's like this quality of it where it really feels like it's actually happening because you're watching you know clearly a real group of friends and it has that low budget feel it almost feels like found footage not not quite yeah but it has sort of that quality and like I'm imagining that combined with like a CGI monster or something and it's like (laughs) what would that feel like I think it'd be really interesting it'd be kind of cool yeah I for the next project we're working on I'm I'm assuming that a lot of my friends will be involved and that it'll be a similar, you know, thing where, you know, we play a lot of different roles and it's, it's still not going to be that super high budget um, production, but we'll be able to have more of those like interesting things that I'll come up with in my head, you know, like effect wise and stuff. So I think that could be really cool. Yeah. I'm just thinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds exciting. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like you're in a super exciting career place right now. Like it's, uh, you're, you're taking off. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> There's one more question here. It's very serious, intense question. Okay. <laughs> oh man, this feels like, um, this feels like it's from like the question sheet of like Animal Farm or uh, Lord of the Flies or something. But yeah. I, I wrote very pretentiously do you think oppressive systems shape humans or do you think humans inevitably create oppressive systems? Because I thought it was interesting, the characters in Honeycomb, they try and escape society and they're, uh, you know, the things keeping them down, but they very quickly create these other systems and structures that end up hurting them. Yes. Yeah, I remember reading that question a few weeks ago and being like, oh shit. (laughs) (laughs) I've really got to think on that one. Um, 
You know, I don't, I don't know the answer. I think right away what comes to mind though is that, yeah, you know, humans create those oppressive systems for themselves. That's what, you know, they, they created their um, boredom before, you know, um, mm -hmm. and they created this chaos afterwards. I think, you know, it's always, you know, you can blame it on, you know, like high school sucks, being a girl sucks, being a teenager sucks, you know, but it's like, you create like what world you're in and they were i think trying to you know find a way to out of that and just ended up creating something even scarier so, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i think i think it's our problem we do that to ourselves <laughs> yeah it's interesting because i feel like it's also kind of a nature nurture thing like it's like if you were born in a society without those systems would you come up with them you know yeah 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 totally <laughs> thank you for the uh thank you for the like uh i don't know what exam big exams are thank you for the uh english final question so sorry <laughs> no it's all right it's fun i think it's fun to have i don't know i kind of uh hate it but i also like it when i'm watching uh q a's with like filmmakers and like the, <laughs> the actual like interviewers asking all these like fairly conventional questions and then you get a crazy question out of left field from the audience and you're like oh i might have never heard this answer if this random person in the audience didn't ask this like question <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I, I don't do with these like deeper questions I mean, I don't know, but sometimes it feels like the people who ask me them about honeycomb, not that question in specific, but you know, the the deeper meaning behind honeycomb and stuff. It's like they think that I had this great plan to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> a very complex film. And that was never the idea, you know. They're like, one oh one, I got a comment on a review once that was like oh, you know, the, the girls, they pray in front of the mirror at their shrine and God is a reflection of themselves. And I was like, oh yeah, true. Yeah, I totally, <laughs> no way. I'm not that smart, but <laughs> you're like, yes, actually I'm the smartest filmmaker to ever live. <laughs> yeah. But I, I feel like if you put in something real into a movie, you know, those ideas come up because yeah. real people are interesting. Yes. Mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. Um, I watched this movie, we had to reschedule, um, yeah. so I watched this movie a few days ago. Could you remind me the character with glasses, her name? Oh, um, uh, like the, the grandma or the, the mom? Or which one are we? Oh my god, I thought the we grandma. were on the next film. I'm, I'm oh, going... no, no, no. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, oh, yeah, no. I got confused too. I was like, what are we talking about? Oh, sorry. No, and honey. Leader is uh, okay. That's leader. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. But I thought that was interesting. Like a leader as like victim, kind of like she's always kind of like yes. victimizing herself and using that to control people. I felt like that was really real. Yes, she totally does that. <laughs> like the world's out to get her. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you you encounter those type of people a lot who can like <laughs> control people with that. I thought that was very interesting. Guess that's not a question. <laughs> Sorry. I I have maybe one final question that wasn't on the well, like it was on the sheet, but then I deleted it because I was like, oh, it's a dumb question. A forbidden um, question. The forbidden question, but maybe I'll ask it as like a final question before we transition to talking about a different movie that's not your movie. Okay. But um Honeycomb 2022 film has an exciting <laughs> Wikipedia page. How does it feel to have a Wikipedia page about your work? 
so crazy. Honestly, somebody texted me. I think it was Henry texted me that he was like, you're, you're on Wikipedia. And I was like, but I didn't make it. Like who, <laughs> who the hell put time into making that? I remember the same feeling when I found out that we had a letterbox going. Yes. Oh my, I was like, I got really nervous. I was like, I have to fix this. <laughs> I, like, <laughs> I had to like rewrite all these things. It was, yeah, a little bit like panic inducing. Cause you know, when your name starts popping up in places that you haven't put it. Right. But also it's pretty cool. Whenever I say, <laughs> I told my parents I have a Wikipedia and they're like, did you make it? No. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I have fans. Yeah. <laughs> That's very cool. Um, I liked on your website also, um, in your description of honeycomb, I don't remember the exact wording, but you said something like honeycomb is a most triumphant victory for Avalon fast. What, what, what is it? It's something like that. I think I, I wrote that. Yeah. Uh, I that. <laughs> yeah. I, I wrote like that, that. <laughs> in our press kit, Jillian, who plays Jules in honeycomb sat with me and I remember us like why did we, we, we'd used all these like words, you know, like <laughs> already. And we were like trying to, that word triumphant, we found that we'd probably gone on like dictionary, like, you know, <laughs> for success or something. <laughs> triumphant. That's great. I'm glad I used that. <laughs> I mean this in the best way, but it has sort of a Bill and Ted vibe to me, like how they would describe <laughs> the most triumphant. That's awesome. <laughs> I think that's it. <laughs> yeah, make descriptions exciting. Twenty twenty two. Yeah, I remember it. <laughs> you yeah, we're talking it's good. about it. All right, should we talk about the other main main attraction? Fine. The, the, the second feature of the double feature. Um, should we, or should yeah. we just not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Share, share the spotlight for a second, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as is, as is sort of typical to the whack, uh, we're going to talk about a film and say whether it's whack or not. I felt like it would be kind of mean to make you rate your own film as whack or not whack. <laughs> so I was like, okay, let's, let's, let's get some suggestions, spread the love, uh, platform some other films that may be whack or not. And Avalon throughout the title Tarnation, which I don't, like, I had never seen. So had you ever seen it? I never heard of it. Yeah, but we watched it. Avalon, how did, how did you find out about Tarnation and what made you want to discuss it? Um, yeah, my friend Emmett, who helped me co-write Honeycomb, um, I remember texted me once, have you seen Tarnation? And I just kind of- star of Honeycomb, right? Yeah. Yeah, they, they were also <laughs> in Honeycomb. Yeah. And, uh, so that name Tarnation was somewhere in my brain. I remember Henry and I were in a, um, Henry's also in Honeycomb. We were in a thrift store and I think they found <laughs> or Tarnation on DVD. And I was like, oh, Emmett told me to watch that. I need that. Give that to me. <laughs> I've got a DVD collection and I was not about to let um, them steal that from me. So I bought it and then it sat in my collection for so long and then eventually we watched it and I, I had no idea what was going on at first. Um, I didn't understand if these were actors or, you know, because again, it's one of those kind of found footage things where, you know, you don't know if it's realistic or, you know, like, who are these 
people I just remember yeah thinking like this this child actor is so great because this seems so real I just hadn't done any research into it and, <laughs> you know, around halfway I was like oh no this is a true story this is somebody's life this is just like, you know they had this footage of themselves so yeah that's how that's how I found it um Nara will you give me a song oh for tornado um no for sub summary oh, um, but wait 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 what? I feel like before we do that we should also say like I think we'll probably put a content warning at the start of the episode we should also say that um now we're going to get into tarnation which uh is very disturbing uh content including um kind of everything I feel like that's kind of <laughs> yeah. difficult to talk about um yeah should we specify I'm not sure um, um I'd say the biggest flags or the um undercurrent i think for all the bad things that are discussed in tarnation is mostly just the mistreatment of mental illness um and general neglect uh for folks who are dealing with serious mental health issues (laughs) yeah and like uh familial abuse i think like probably um Okay, maybe no step summary song for this one. <laughs> maybe yeah, because I was like, I pulled out my recorder and I was like, damn, no, this is kind of sad. I thought we said that. <laughs> <laughs> um, how about, should I do a somber, um, formal intro to Seb's summary corner as if I'm sure, like a BBC announcer? Good. All right, everyone. It is now time for Seb's summary corner on the topic of carnation. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. So this is not summary for a second, but I also like when I started watching it, like it's pretty disturbing pretty quickly. And maybe it's just me, but I had to know what was going on a little bit to deal with it. So I did the Wikipedia, which I think helped, you know, give context. And I think like you have to know the context um, to explain it, but it's a documentary um, by a man named Jonathan Coet. Is that how you pronounce Last thing. Yeah. It's a Frenchy sounding last name that has a lot of vowels in it. Does have a lot of vowels. And um, Jonathan compiles um, kind of home video footage and like uh, experimental films and stuff that he's made and taken throughout his life um, to tell his family history, um, the life of his mom. Um, who was given extensive electroshock therapy that uh, worsened her mental illness or maybe even created her mental illness um, and his um, life growing up gay um, in Texas um, before moving to New York as a, um, and becoming a filmmaker. Uh, but it's mostly about his relationship with his mom, Renee and uh, how that changes over time and their their family history. Yes. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's not it's not a happy film to watch. No. I will say that. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> that's that's okay. all right. That's all right. Um, but one thing I will say, that's maybe not, I don't know, do we want to talk sad right away or do we want to talk not so sad right away? I feel like the movie opens really sad. Like, I had to take a break after the first half hour, but yeah. af- after that, like, it's still, 
tough to watch but there's more like healing happening I feel like and there's um I don't know like it does it doesn't end like all light and fluffy or anything or like everything's resolved but it starts to make more sense in a way I think yeah so I think a long way of saying I think it's okay if we start dark yeah well I was just gonna say one thing that I think this is kind of yeah but one thing that I think made the film like the film was very difficult to watch just content wise but one thing that I think made it a lot more disturbing and difficult was just like the way it was edited and like the technical ways because it's like it really does like get chaotic and stressful just in like the sound design and the images being like bombarded at you um which is like I don't know it for me it's just like not not something I've really seen before in a documentary um and maybe it was also because it's like a personal documentary like it's uh, autobiographical it's sort of like um he's able to do that because it doesn't seem like weird cheap tricks to like make it more shocking that some like person is like exploiting the story um but yeah I just that sort of like grabbed me right away and I think that kind of made it harder for me to watch than if it was just sort of like a talking head or like just like found footage contextualized with like fade in and out and (laughs) titles yeah definitely um what did you think of the movie the first time you saw it uh Avalon without that context yeah um yeah like I it was a lot of questions at the beginning for me um about what exactly was going on yeah, you know, like, is this real? What's happening here? And I, I think I definitely at one point had to look it up, you know, because I was confused. And I just remember finding it, you know, I was, I was just like, it seems like a weird, but like mesmerized by um, the film in general, the editing style for sure was just like, I couldn't take my eyes away, you know, the second time I actually had a harder time watching it. I don't know if it's because I'm older or because I I knew now kind of what I was getting myself into. Um, But yeah, the first time it was just like this like journey going through this and then and then taking time afterwards and thinking about it, you know, what it what what happened there, like what, you know, and I I agree with I like how this was made and how independent it was because it was like 100% his story to tell, you know, Um, where yeah, I don't I don't feel like any Thing was like particularly exploited because again it's it's his life and it's his you know uh, facts about his own life and his mother's life and what he knows and yeah I just find it so interesting when young people have access to a video camera you know and and that can come out of it like and I wonder how old he was when he decided he was gonna make that film or tell that story and when he started collecting that footage or you know at least keeping it around um yeah and I I just I found that like really inspiring and just lucky that he'd done that as a young person without I mean I'm sure when he was 10 he wasn't thinking I'm gonna make a you know story about my life because it was happening it's kind of like that telling of a story in real time I just thought that was really interesting and yeah I've never seen anything like it before yeah yeah (laughs) yeah I agree and I, I feel like you know, I want to be careful not to romanticize, like, what a difficult life he had. But, like, even in that footage when he's, like, 11, you can tell he's, like, 
very much an artist, like so young, like beyond his years. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that footage alone is very moving. Like um, I read the Wikipedia page, the extent of my research, but apparently he sent that to someone and they're like, you have to make the rest of this movie. Like that was kind of the, the start of it. Yeah. All right, yeah. Yeah, that like, I think it's also just like such a, I, I don't know because it's like obviously I'm not him but I like I think it's like a very um I don't know it, it's kind of like when people like write diaries and keep diaries for years and years but then it's like a bit different because it's like these videotapes which is like immediately confronting you with like a past image of yourself you can't like project like what like it's harder to sort of like ignore it as if it's like in a book or something or like flip past it or fast forward through it or whatever because you're still gonna like see the images just going faster so I don't know I think it's, it's kind of like um it's just interesting or you like can tell how important it was to him to make this movie considering he held on to all that footage for all those years and like footage of like really traumatizing events but also some stuff that's just sort of like oh his like films that he made which are probably like that's still like you want to keep that you're like I made that it's kind of cute but like him like keeping the video diary-esque stuff and then but also like the footage of like him doing the school play or musical or whatever so it's just like um I don't know it's just like it's like yeah, I think this film is really, like, a testament to, like, people who, like, like, just how important, like, art is to some people and, like, how important art and, like, creativity is to, like, as, like, a coping mechanism or as, like, a force of healing or as, like, a way of finding community. I think it's, like, one of, like, the very beautiful things about this film that is presenting you with, like, how shitty, like, people can also be to each other. Yeah, I, it's pretty amazing footage. Like even like at the end when he's like kind of questioning his his grandfather, like it's like so difficult to watch, and it must have been so difficult to do. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and it, it is kind of unbelievable that he, that he has that footage. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> he seems like somebody I remember watching it was more towards the end when I he's like a very forward person mm -hmm. I, I don't I remember watching that and being like oh my how is he doing that and then kind of you know somebody who makes documentary films has that you know they, they don't really care that they're making people uncomfortable usually you know they can hold the camera up and ask questions or or not say anything at all and uh they're comfortable with that to a degree mm -hmm. which I've always just found because it's not my personality at all um I just always find that really interesting and especially when it's about his own life and these are his people you know that he could put them in that position and and be comfortable enough to ask those questions it's pretty interesting yeah, yeah. I think no, I think what oh I was gonna say I think what also makes it interesting about that is like the way he like frames all the people in the film or like all of the like central characters in his family in the film it's kind of interesting because it's like he's not really making moral judgments about any of them about whether like there's that title card at the very beginning that it's like renee was born to like two good people um or whatever where it, which is like sort of interesting because like 
I think a lot of the process of this film is him questioning what like if all of this would have happened to his mother and to him if his grandparents hadn't initially put their daughter through like so many shock therapy treatments but it's sort of like one of those things where he's parsing through like how am I supposed to feel about these people like I'm grateful for what like for some of the things they've done for me like taking me and everything but also at the same time like I resent them for these other things and it sort of like really makes like brings up like thinking about like the nuances of people and like the difficulties and like all the like the little bits of uh family dynamics and also like just like how um I guess like this is like me thinking like as an I don't know if he's really making these like observations of the film but like me thinking as an audience member being like oh like how discussions around mental health have changed and mental illness have changed since like the 1960s like how even though there's like still not enough support like at least shock therapy is not like as much of a thing anymore and like stuff like that so it's like I don't know I thought that was like really interesting like the attention to start off the film being like two very good people but then by the end of the film you get him like interrogating his grandfather like in not a super accusatory way but I feel like there's like sort of like that undercurrent of it where he's like do you think you're responsible for this or like do you think you were right for doing that I thought was like a very interesting sort of like tension that was being played with there so like he opens the movie on like it's pretty warm footage of his grandmother right I'm pretty sure and like you you get a lot of that throughout and it it is contradictory from what you hear about uh her actions and stuff but I I felt like we're getting his understanding of the family history kind of as he gets it like in that order almost like you know it opens with two good people and then you know that gets complicated by stuff that he finds out and that we find out Mm -hmm. I don't know (laughs) yeah I found the just shock therapy thing seems like surreal like that is just like so like real life horror of like before people were understanding those kind of things and also just like the way like accidents can shape a family you know like really what would their life have looked like if she hadn't fallen off the roof you know yeah that thing for me that 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 seems like somebody had to write that because it's so surreal like I you know that's just like Mm. a accident that could have you know it could have been okay she could have had a broken leg or it could have resulted in what it did which was just like this like domino effect of um problems when people don't understand yeah mental illness just so scary like yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah you like I kept thinking like you know what if she had fallen at a different angle and like her legs had bent or whatever like you know everything could have been avoided which is very scary and sad yeah it's kind of that that is like the interesting thing about this film because like all at once it is like showing the domino effect of like how this person came to be like how Jonathan came to be like a filmmaker artist like where he is like at the present point of making the film um but it's also like I don't know it's like it's like interesting because it's like you still can't help but like think about like these are all the moments that we're seeing that are caught on film that are good for story, but I couldn't help but wondering about like, what's the day-to-day of their family mm-hmm. like because of all these like crazy dysfunctional things. Like 
oh like what did they eat for dinner like did they go to church like I was like bringing like all those questions are coming up because it was like about these big domino effect moments but I wanted to like fill in the tiny gaps Mm -hmm. I actually had a really similar thought at one point was like you know are are these grandparents like cooking for him like are they Mm -hmm. are they like taking care of his like you know health is like a young child you know because you, you don't see that um but he's he's there he's alive you know he goes and sees his mother on the weekends you know at some points like are they driving him like I don't know I, I had those same questions because you're seeing like this look into his life but without the regular life parts you right. know yeah is he going yeah. to school like I, I just like didn't you know there's all these yeah yeah I kind of thought it was like the grandparents' treatment of him was very different than the treatment of his mother. It, it seemed like for whatever reason. Um, and at the end, I kind of thought of the grandfather as someone who's like, maybe this is obvious or whatever, but like so insistent on politeness and whatever that he'd like rather lock someone in a closet than like deal with them, you know, swearing or whatever. Like. Yeah. That it's not shown, it's not even like fully confirmed that he did that, but that's just kind of the impression you get. Like he calls the police instead of like having the discussion. Yeah. Um, I thought that was very interesting. And like the way he keeps repeating we're a good family and everything, well, he's still able to do that is is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like kind of like an interesting, like. It's also, like, an interesting insight where it's, like, they're so, like, that family or at least the grandfather's so, like, um, like, like, his mind is so centered on appearance and, like, the appearance of the family and, like, being good, like, looking good for, like, the neighborhood, which I guess probably partially stems from him, like, originally owning a business, like, a neighborhood business or whatever. It's probably part of that has it, but then, like, how Jonathan approach that where he would like sneak around and like what like did his grandparents know like what would happen if they knew or did they at that point just sort of turn a blind eye to it and be like it's like we already had to deal with our daughter we're not going to deal with our grandson in this way like yeah I thought about it was interesting how and maybe this was because how he decided to portray it but like the acceptance even just of his sexuality was like mm-hmm. it there was just no question there was no talk yeah. you know getting bullied or you know getting like disowned by his family and, and his mom is like you know at the end calling um his partner like her other son um mm-hmm. which i just you know that that in a way it makes sense to me kind of like maybe like more so for the grandparents like turning a blind eye like you know this is our grandson he's healthy that's all we're gonna worry about um right now or if that was um something he just didn't choose to include you know but mm-hmm. yeah I just thought that was yeah. yeah there are a lot of things that like watching the movie maybe I didn't think about as much but now thinking about it it's like kind of hard to picture like when he talks about his outbursts as a teen and like destroying the house like it's hard to picture their reaction to that Mm-hmm. Um, because he seems to have a lot of love for them um, and what we see of them towards him is for the most part pretty loving especially the grandmother yeah um, yeah. yeah 
yeah, it kind of brings up this thing where it's like, oh, did he not want to, because I feel like it wasn't that he didn't want to, like, use his story to overshadow, like, what was the issues that was going on with his mother, because it sort of seems like they're two parallel stories, like, two very intertwined stories, so it doesn't seem like that's the issue, so I'm, I'm kind of wondering if it's, like, maybe all these discussions happen, but it's just, like, because so many astronomically, like, horrible things happened in this family's lives, these issues just, like, did not seem that bad, like, in comparison, which is, like, quite tragic to think about, Um, but at the same time, it's sort of, like, oh, was this family, like, was it, like, actually loving, or was it just that it's, like, it was so much better than what he'd experienced before, and that sort of, like, shifted his view of things, Um, but I think also, like, he, as a person, like, seems very aware and appreciative of, like, who, like, the affection that he gets and the support that he gets from his community, because there's, like, um, like, the parts with his, like, partner, like, can, he's clearly just, like, sort of, like, foregrounds the affection in their relationship, which is really Mm -hmm. nice, Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that's, like, just another, like, yeah, this film is just, like, really interesting to think about from, like, how it's, like, the filmmaker's perspective, and, like, if you, like, want to think with, like, a technical filmy mind being, like, thinking about like how to tell a story or like what what parts of the story you see and don't see and why certain parts are like left on the cutting room floor or whatever yeah yeah the the community aspect is interesting too because when it like that section started where he was like going to the club when he was just like 14 I was like kind of worried I was like well this could go a lot of different ways and stuff and then that part is portrayed as like pretty universally positive. Like he found his people and they introduced him to art that he didn't know about. And it was great, <laughs> which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked that point in his life um, when he would focus more on like his, you know, social life or even like personal life. Um, well, even just the fact that it wasn't, I mean, it probably wouldn't be a film if it was, but you know, he didn't seem to turn to drugs heavily you know to a point of you know that becoming the story and was able to like maintain these like what seems like like healthy relationships with people um mm-hmm. it was like ad- adulthood it's just interesting like yeah a really strong person like the i don't know if this is like the right thing to say but like the right person to be in that you know experience and like make some light of it it's just yeah pretty resilient person yeah Yeah. it's it's incredible Mm -hmm. yeah it's also like I think maybe that's also like the interesting part of it is like he basically like not exactly the same as his mother but like he again like had like um like he was brought up basically by the same people that his mother was he had like a specific event which like triggered like um like a like or like kickstarted like mental illness or like triggered it to like worsen in a certain way. So it's like kind of interesting also to like think about that being like, these are two people who have like similar coming of ages in a sense, but seeing how one person who arguably his life was more traumatic from the beginning, like going to like child services and like the initial trip to New York with his mother and everything yeah, is could be argued as like more traumatic and worse than her experiences in certain ways or at least there's like a longer history of trauma there but then how he by finding this community and being allowed to have a community of some sort was able to sort of like I don't know about deal with it in like a healthy way but deal with it in like 
um, like just having that support so that way he could like deal with it instead of being sent to the hospital all the time, you know, and being cut off from community. Yeah. Yeah, and that that incident um, with the drugs that um, causes the depersonalization disorder and his trouble focusing, I felt like, um, again, maybe this is super obvious, but once I saw that, the editing and everything made more sense. Like it's like really supposed to be kind of his experience of these events, like these little moments and we can't even really focus on them before we're thrown into something else. And um, it was still very hard to watch like those like flashes of disturbing images or sounds, but it made more sense as he's trying to like express himself. And um, yeah, it was, it was again, very moving to, to see that. Yeah. yeah, that incident was so, that's like my worst nightmare, you know, yeah. like at that age too. Yeah. Yeah, these like unlucky circumstances that happened to both him and his mother, it just like parallels. It's interesting. Yeah. I think it's also, um, this is like a bit of a different point, but I just thought it was like um, the part where he was like talking about like the school play that he was putting on, where he's like, yeah, we're gonna do like David Lynch, but like to Marianne Faithful, and two students are gonna direct it. And then like the music teacher or whatever is just like, yeah, okay, cool. And looks like they're yeah. playing piano or whatever. I'm like, <laughs> I think it is like, I think he was very lucky to like, sort of like have, I don't know, like have like be in a place where it's like small town Texas or like suburban Texas, like you might not think that that would be allowed or that would be very acceptable, like even though it was sort of like the 90s. Um, but like him being like just like being like what would happen if you didn't have that opportunity or like where are those people now that were just like yeah I want to I want to do this I want to be in this crazy musical and I'm like what did the musical end up looking like like what did like well even to like write to have the motivation to write a play in high school like the only people I ever you know have known to do that kind of thing are like very dedicated you know yeah academic people so it's just like interesting to see how that was something on his mind you know and could get that together to do it at that age like yeah just such an interesting person I think yeah definitely (laughs) Uh, I had something else but I just lost it I'm sure it'll come back to me yeah I don't know I I don't he's just like such an interesting dude like I'm I'm like this is crazy I'm also like I I I was gonna say it's like he didn't have to share it with us but he did but I kind of feel like his personality is that he would make this movie regardless if it got seen or not like I that just like seems like him like he's like he's gonna make this movie he's going to submit it to festivals, whether it gets programmed or not, that's like not his deal. He's just like, I'm just going to make it. Um, and I'm going to do it. And hopefully people like it. And people seem to like it. It played at a lot of festivals. Some important people produced it or distributed it or something. Yeah, I thought that was super cool that um, Gus Van Sant was associated with it uh, later mm-hmm. because you know, 
there's that part where he's like screaming like a teenager you know like my own private idaho yeah yeah thinking like him at that age knowing he was going to put this film together and have it produced by that person probably was like his dream right like Mm -hmm. yeah and it happened which is super cool yeah Yeah, the, the wikipedia page on like how it like came to be is like super interesting like it was something like he edited it like he edited it very quickly for this film festival um and I think he may have even he either cut stuff very quickly or added stuff very quickly which reminded me of what you're saying about slam dance or about fantastic vest um uh so that's funny um but also do you guys know he made this on iMovie I I kind of suspected he was using like Movie Maker or like something just because it's like this like it's like awful but it also works so well the like weird like clock transition out <laughs> like the like circular wipe where I was like huh but also that would be crazy isn't that like, incredible that's really that's cool. like also like two thousand three iMovie yeah. I wonder how crazy the computer was going yeah oh my god with like all those clips that are so quick and the sound and like oh my god i don't even want to yeah they probably crashed so he probably lost it so many times <laughs> iMovie is so hard to use <laughs> iMovie is hard to use iMovie I, I feel like iMovie has gotten worse since i was using it as a child or maybe it's just now because <laughs> i used other editing softwares i realized how impractical it is yeah i tried to use it the other day i was making I was making like a honeycomb teaser and I was like, there was something wrong with my software. It wasn't loading or something. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to use iMovie because like this is super quick. And I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> and I just had to go back and I was like, okay, I'm just going to use Adobe because like, I don't, how the hell does iMovie work? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so bizarre, but I think like it adds a lot to like the text it's like kind of like you're watching like a youtube video it has this like home movie quality and it's so effective like the text just slowly recapping like you know tragedy after tragedy it's so sad and so disturbing and i think it's way more effective than a talking head or a narrator who would like try and make it sad it's so neutral that yeah yeah. i think think it's also like I, at one point I was sort of like watching the movie and I'm like it's kind of like I'm reading a movie and then there's like sensory things going on which like kind of makes sense with his like depersonalization disorder where it's sort of like oh yeah like that makes so much sense where it's sort of like he's doing these crazy things but then he has the text to sort of like ground it and like bring you back into it every once in a while yeah um which I like I thought worked really well but it, like it, it is one of those things where it's sort of like I think there's a lot of things in this movie where you're kind of like you're like that was weird and then you think about it and then you're like oh it actually makes a lot of sense like I understand why mm-hmm. yeah the text is almost like not objective because that's like Im- impossible or whatever but it's kind of like the objective story and then everything else is like how it felt kind of and it works mm-hmm. really really well I thought mm-hmm. yeah. I, think I felt so happy for him in New York with his mom like you feel that was so good I was like even the part where they like his dad is back and they're like arguing and you're like okay like as annoying as it is that he's like that they're both like annoyed at each other but it's kind of like I think you can kind of tell in that moment where he's like 
oh like this is what my life could have been like like you could have just been like me my mom and my dad and these silly little arguments Mm -hmm. Um, yeah Yeah. that was so weird that that was still their relationship after not seeing each other for that long (laughs) right back there like arguing like they'd been married for like 20 years you know (laughs) yeah Yeah. I think she's like very angry like I think in her circumstances in general but I thought that scene was interesting because it pushes him and the dad to kind of the same side in the argument and it's it's interesting because they seem like you know bonded even though they've just met pretty much yeah Yeah. I think it's also or like one thing that I really loved about the film or like that kind of made me happy during the film I guess was just like even when it was like the or like horrible things are being told like happening like how much love he has for his mother and how it's sort Mm -hmm. of like it seems like as annoyed and mad as he is with the circumstances or like as irritated as he is with his mother like doing something like making a mess acting out whatever he still like loves her so much which I thought like came through super well and was also just I think made the difficult parts of the film a bit easier to watch where you knew there was like like this isn't it's not a mean film like there's nothing nobody's being mean to anyone else or like angry towards anyone else it's just like the circumstances happen to be bad but like the actual like viewpoint that he's coming at it from is like very kind yeah I love that scene in the end where he's in the bathroom He's talking about how much he loves his mom and how involved she is in his life and then he starts getting all deep about it and like how she's like in his head and in his blood and then and then he's like she's downstairs <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was super cute I was like yeah she's like right there you know like has been so present in his life you know in whatever way you know either in his head or like physically right <laughs> yeah yeah I think it's also like I don't I think it's kind of interesting because it's like it seems like their relationship is less like or like the way it's portrayed to us and maybe because this is all she was able to do like sort of from afar from his life but it seems like they're less like mother and son and more sort of like they're just friends or they're like siblings almost which is um which I think is like really sweet where it's like he doesn't hold any resentment for his mother like not being present as a mother and he like or at least like at the point that he's making the film and he like completely understands and everything and he's I think he's sort of acknowledging it's like oh we're never going to really have this relationship but we're still able to have this like super like loving close relationship yeah yeah I thought like it's a it's a hard to watch scene but um after Renee's like sustained brain damage from the lithium overdose and she's playing with the pumpkin like it it is disturbing to see like how much of her personality has been lost but he like at one point he starts laughing Mm because she like is being funny and like they he still loves her so much and they have like yeah it's it's just so like it's it's for such a disturbing movie like thinking back on the whole thing I like you think more about the love I feel like than like more which is like such an achievement I think yeah I think that also comes through with like how he portrays his like grandmother a lot is like especially there's like the part um which is like also sad for just like after she's had her stroke 
and he's like giving her the wig or whatever but she's he's still like getting like he's like doing like saying these prompts for her and like trying to have this conversation with her where you can tell it's something where it's like other people aren't gonna like talk to her like that where he's just like talking mm-hmm. to her being like this is what she liked to do before she had a stroke even if she's like not as physically capable of like doing the entire performance she can still like do this voice or like do like um like do these like expressions or whatever and like um I don't know he just seems like a very kind person where he's like he just he like just knows what people how people want to be treated and is able to just like treat them like people instead of like he's like like he's like oh she's she's still like my grandmother even though she's had a stroke and isn't able to like do blank to her full capability and he's like she's still my mother even though she's like had this intense brain trauma mm-hmm. um which i think is uh like really nice and sweet to see yeah definitely pretty yeah, yeah. like you said Evelyn. like there's no other movie like it really yeah yeah no. i i I thought that as well with the way he treats his mom. It's just like very accepting, you know? He's not angry. It's not like, why are you being weird? Why are you saying weird things? You know, like, what are you talking about? Which would be, I don't know, you know, I could see that being somebody's reaction when their parent isn't acting like a parent or isn't acting like they used to act, you know? Um, but yeah, mm. he's like, he's not that frustrated, at least when he's around her, at least for what we get to see. You know, maybe in his own time he is, but yeah, which which makes those relationships possible. Again, like the as like shitty as it sounds, like the right person to be in that situation because you know they made like the most of those relationships. Yeah, he's he's like forced to become the parent a lot of the time. Like when there's like the one time like she's really mean to him is when she's like, "When I die, you'll have no family left, and I'm all you have left." But it's clearly coming from a place of like real sadness and pain. Yeah. And he just like he's like just like don't say that. Like yeah. He's so understanding and calm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I also like I I think maybe like this is another thing where it's like he's sort of like it seems like he's grown up and like learned to be like a very kind person where it's like he sort of like talks even the way he talks about his past self is very like unjudgmental where he like isn't embarrassed about any of the things he did he's able to be like pretty objective about it Mm -hmm. um like that's not like what his his monologue at the end of the film isn't him being like oh I've like done these things in the past and like I wish I treated my grandparents better like I wish I didn't do these things or like I shouldn't have made these choices or whatever or on the flip side he's not like oh I'm grateful for these or whatever it's very objective at the end where he's just talking about like looking forward to the future um so like I thought it was interesting that he was that we were able to like see him as a child sort of in one way just like as a child and being like oh these are just things that teenagers do mm-hmm. like just like being able to like as the audience have it framed kind of objectively being like oh yeah like he there's I understand why he maybe lashed out a little bit more but it's sort of like at the same time it's like all teenagers lash out mm-hmm. or it's like all teenagers like have like I don't know just like do these like weird things so it's like interesting where it's like very exceptional circumstances but then also being able to see sort of like 
the universal like thread through it too um yeah. and i think it's sort of like objectivity of like portraying that helps yeah for sure um i noticed that there was no other movie like it but avon have you seen minding the gap no i haven't i've heard of that but epic great movie yeah yeah really good and and that's the only comparison i can think of where there's someone who's like kind of telling their life story and they've been recording their entire life basically right um yeah really great movie okay yeah um i know you have to head out soon avalon do we want to head over to the wacko meter we can head on to the wacko meter avalon i don't know if i told you this but wacko meter we basically <laughs> uh because it's is it whack we're trying to figure out if movies are whack or not so we rate them on a scale of uh one to five one being not very whack five being super whack and basically whack can just mean whatever you want it to mean um okay. it doesn't mean good it doesn't mean bad <laughs> it just means whack it okay. means whatever you think. So yeah, okay. did you want to give the first rating or should should someone else start it? I can I can do that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm going to give it um a 5 on the whack meter because when you asked me, you know, think of a whack movie, that was like what came to my mind. <laughs> I, I don't know what else would be at the top of my list, you know. This is at the top of my whack list. Um <laughs> and I don't know exactly what that means for me either, but yeah definitely a five. In whack listed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sad. Um, yeah, I feel like it's also a five. I don't want to like trivialize it by calling it whack because it's such a serious movie, but it's so unique and it's like, yeah, so one of a kind and interesting um, that I feel like it's definitely a five. Yeah, I was going to give it, see, because I would, I'm going to give it a 4.5 because it's like, oh, I don't want to make it seem silly by being like, it's so <laughs> whack because it's not whack in like a silly sense, but it is sort of like, I think like the, the experience of just like being able to like have access to this kind of content and this story is pretty whack. And also just like the circumstances are like very exceptional. Um, and then like the way that he managed to sort of mimic the emotions of the circumstance that he'd be feeling like so clearly to me as a viewer is like pretty insane um, mm -hmm. and gnarly. So yeah. Yeah, definitely. And drum roll, I don't know. Um, usually, yeah, but anyway, drum roll, uh, the official wax score for this one is um, 4.83, uh, the three repeats. <laughs> wow. <laughs> nice. Seems, seems appropriate. <laughs> Tarnation, um, 4.83. Nice. Where does that stand on the leaderboard? Do you have the leaderboard? <laughs> I don't have the leaderboard. I think it's slightly higher than Bad Movie, which is Ethan's pick. Oh. I think I think Ethan got like 4.3 straight up. Repeating? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ethan got 4.3 repeating. Nice. So edged this it just out. edged it out a tiny nice. bit. <laughs> so we got two, we got a strong start for uh, 
for volume two. <laughs> for volume two. Whatever volume two is. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you for coming on the podcast Alon and thank talking you, movies okay. with us. Is there anything you want to shout out or plug at the end of the app? Um, I don't know, like my Instagram? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What the heck? Um, it's Mad Valon, like Avalon, but Mad. Nice. That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is there a way for people to see Honeycomb? Is it not like? Can you not say about new festivals or whatever? Secret? I can. I mean, we're going to Alabama this weekend. That's pretty. Oh. Yeah. So I mean, if anyone wants to come to Alabama, <laughs> they're welcome too. <laughs> is there an online thing or or it's in person? I think it's just an in-person fest. Yeah, no no news I can share on like its next, you know, public release where you can get tickets and stuff, but very soon. Watch out. Follow Madvalon for updates. <laughs> okay, so here's the deal. Because uh, this took me forever to get ready to release, you can actually just uh, order Honeycomb on Blu-ray from Gold Ninja Video, which is sick. So do that because Alabama Fest has passed and seemed wonderful. Um, if you want to see those memories, go to Avalon's Instagram, obviously. So yeah, blessing and a curse that this took so long. You can get the Blu-ray, but you cannot see it in Alabama. Sorry. Yeah, all our Alabama listeners, I <laughs> even if you're not close to the city in Alabama that the uh, film is playing in, you should go and see it. Um, yeah, absolutely. Make a road trip. Yeah. How far um, is New Mexico from Alabama? Pretty far, I think. Okay, well, David, if you want to make the trek. <laughs> oh, yeah, David. Um, also, good night, Ryan. Let me good look night, up Ryan. a U.S. map. But I think New Mexico is pretty far. Yeah, I, that's my feeling, too. Um, yeah, yeah, there, there's definitely uh, Texas, Louisiana, and Mississippi between... Alabama and New Mexico and Texas is quite large so okay okay but if anyone's in Georgia Florida <laughs> Tennessee or Mississippi all bordering <laughs> states very easy very simple thanks guys yeah <laughs> um Nara can you plug our socials what which one has the underscore and which one doesn't yeah so um thank you to Emma Kudlak for the art and yes. Mills for the music that as well um, follow insomniac fest on instagram and insomniac underscore fest on twitter i'm pretty sure maybe reversed <laughs> if you look one up and it's not right then do the other one <laughs> um take that and <laughs> i think that's it for us um yes and, and watch out for time. for maybe some news on the thank you avalon Thanks Thank again. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Good night. Good night. Good night. Or morning or lunch. And <laughs> I, I ended my recording. Good lunch. Mexico from Alabama. Pretty far, I think. Okay, well, David, if you want to make the trek. <laughs> oh, yeah, David. Um, also, good night, Ryan. Let me good look night, up Ryan. a U.S. map. But I think New Mexico is pretty far. Yeah, I, that's my feeling, too. Um, yeah, yeah, there, there's definitely uh, Texas, Louisiana, and Mississippi between Alabama and New Mexico, and Texas is quite large, so. Okay, okay. 
But if anyone's in Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, or Mississippi, all bordering states. Very easy. Very simple. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Um, Nara, can you plug our socials? What, which one has the underscore and which one doesn't? Yeah, so um, thank you to Emma Kudlak for the art and Ian yes. Mills for the music. That as well. Um, follow Insomniac Fest on Instagram and Insomniac underscore Fest on Twitter, I'm pretty sure. Maybe reverse. <laughs> if you look one up and it's not right, then do the other one. <laughs> um, Take that, Liz. And <laughs> I think that's it for us. Um. Yes, and Any watch out for, for maybe some news on the Ooh. mystery. Um, mystery. But yeah, thank you, Avalon. Thanks, Thanks again. Thank you, thank everyone you for, listening. for listening. Good night. Good night. Good night. Or morning or lunch. And I, <laughs> yeah, I ended good. my recording. Good lunch. <laughs>